So in, you, in some of the, the common books of prayer in, in a lot of older traditions, uh, one of the things they would do is have set kind of a, a pattern for the Palm Sunday service. And as I was kind of studying some of those old ways of doing it, I really appreciated the purpose and how they were doing some of those things. Now, as I look through some of those, I mean, it, they must have been three-hour-long services of a lot of scripture reading. Uh, we're not going to do that. But I took a selection from those because I thought it was really neat how they would take three sections of Scripture, something in the Old Testament, something from a psalm, which is also in the Old Testament, and then something from the New Testament, kind of showing God's control, again, from beginning to end, his plan. It wasn't as if, you know, a lot of times you'll read the Old Testament and you get the idea like, oh, God messed up and so he changed it to fix it. He didn't, right? He had a plan all the way from the beginning of what he was going to do. I mean, in Genesis, at the very beginning, when Adam and Eve sinned, that's the first prediction we get of how God is going to fix it, right? He, he told Eve, someday your seed, somebody from your loins coming out, is going to bruise the serpent's head, which is a killing blow. But the serpent is going to bruise his heel. That was the first prediction of the Messiah who would come when Jesus died. That was kind of a bruise on his heel, something he would heal, right? When he rose from the dead victorious... He crushed the serpent's head. So God had a plan from the beginning of what he was going to do. That's hard sometimes to wrap your mind around. He knew we were going to sin. And he knew what he was going to do to fix it. He knew you. He knew you were going to be born. He knew the sins you were going to commit. And he chose you anyway and has a plan to redeem you. So with that, we're going to read three passages Kind of from, from old traditional liturgy, but you'll see why they did it. They did it well, and they did it wisely to lead us into praise and worship. And we're going to start in Isaiah 45. The prophet Isaiah, God, through the prophet, says this. And you don't have to turn there. It's going to be on the screen, but you can turn there if you want. Isaiah 45, verses 21 to 25. Declare and present your case. Let them take counsel together. Who told this long ago? Who declared of old? Was it not I, the Lord? And there is no other God beside me, a righteous God and a Savior. There is none beside me. Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God and there is no other. By myself I have sworn. From my mouth has gone out in righteousness a word that shall not return to to me, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall swear allegiance. Only in the Lord shall be said of me our righteousness and strength. To him shall come and be ashamed all who were incensed against him. In the Lord, all the offspring of Israel shall be justified and shall glory. This chapter in Isaiah is largely predicting the future. A lot of it is looking at what God is going to do, but you see what God is saying. He's like, there is none beside me. I mean, that is a cornerstone of our faith. There is no other God. There is one God. In the Old Testament, he was given the name Yahweh, or he gave us his name. Yahweh, I am that I am. And anytime you see here the Lord, that is his personal name, Yahweh. He says, I am the only one, and I have come to save. I will save. Salvation is only possible through me. Now, here, you've probably heard this. It says, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall swear allegiance. Does that mean everyone will be saved? No. That's, some have taken this and, and gone to universal. All will be saved. No. Every tongue will confess. Everybody will recognize Jesus as Lord, one God, 
one Savior, Jesus, and either they will confess that when they see it in the end and go to judgment, or we confess it now and through our lives, and in the end confess it again and, and bypass judgment, bypass condemnation and receive forgiveness in him. And here in Isaiah, he is, God is making very clear, I am the only way. Every other religion, right? There's so many other religions in the world. Most of them, all but very few, have many gods. Most of them are kind of relativistic, right? And universalistic. True biblical faith is unique and it is based on one God, Yahweh. And God's plan has always been to offer salvation to all people from all nations, right? That's what he says here. Every knee will bow and salvation is available to everyone. Now next, we're gonna read a psalm. Psalm 22, you can turn there. We're gonna read verses one through 11. This psalm is a lament. This psalm was written uh, from the, the, the standpoint of a sufferer, an innocent person suffering. And later, Jesus will quote this psalm while on the cross. So we now know, looking back, why was this psalm included in a service like today? Because this, this psalm was also a prophecy of how God would save. The first one in Isaiah, we see the identity, we see who, right? It's all about God. God is the one who will save. There's the promise. Now we're gonna see the method in Psalm, how? Psalm 22, one through 11. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish, my God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. And you, our ancestors, put their trust. They trusted you, and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. From birth, I was cast on you. From my mother's womb, you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near and there is no one to help. Wow. Couldn't you sometimes quote that psalm from your own heart? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Don't we go through times where we feel alone, but yet here the psalmist goes to hope. He says, but you never abandoned Israel when they walked away from you, when they sinned. You never, you were always faithful. That's what the psalmist is saying. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus would quote that on the cross. When he is hanging there, oh my goodness, and he was taking on him the sins of the world, my sins and yours, he said those words. Referring back to this psalm, this psalm of the suffering servant. This is how God would save. Who's the savior? Yahweh. He's the only one to save. How's he gonna do it? through a suffering servant. Palm Sunday, right? When he wrote in, they were celebrating a victory. The king has come. They thought their king was going to come, set up the throne and restore the glory of Israel. And he will. There's still gonna be that, that physical kingdom. But first, he had to die for our sins. And so here, that's what he's talking about. Jesus going to that cross, the suffering servant, the perfect one 
took on the punishment you and I both deserved so that we could live the life only he deserved. It's called atonement. When Jesus went to that cross, he atoned for our sins. So if I ask you, why do you think you're going to heaven? If you give me any answer other than because Jesus died for me and he's my Lord, you got it wrong. Not, I grew up in a Christian family. Not, I was baptized once. Not, I go to church sometimes or I try to be good. None of those. It's all Jesus. When Jesus died on the cross, your sins were laid on his shoulders. It's up to you to say, I received that forgiveness. That's it. There's no works involved. It's called faith. So the suffering servant would die. When he died, you read in the Gospels there, when he died, the earth quaked, right? The earth shook. Darkness covered the land. The centurion, the Roman who was responsible for crucifixions, the one who was supervising the whole thing, saw this. And when it happened, when Jesus breathed his last, he said, surely that is the Son of God. Jesus' death. Again, we're entering Holy Week, right? A celebration of that week of what Jesus went through. You look at the book of Matthew, and there's a whole bunch in the other Gospels. In that last week, a lot of things happened. A lot of things went down leading to his crucifixion. And now we're going to move to our last passage in Philippians 2. And again, it's up on screen. But in Philippians 2, 5 through 11, we see the identity of this suffering servant. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him in the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see the echo of the Isaiah passage? Right here, Isaiah predicts God says, I'm the only one, and someday every knee will bow to me. And here, he gets a name, gives me chills. The name is Jesus. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. Jesus, and who is Jesus? It says very clearly here in Philippians, he is the God from Isaiah. He is the one there who spoke, said, I am. Jesus is the son of God and God in flesh. He is full deity, but he's also fully Man, try and figure that out, (laughs) right? 100% and 100% equals 100%. He's fully God because only God could be our savior. Back to Isaiah, I'm the one that will save. Only he could do it, but only a human can die. So Jesus, God took on flesh so he could die for our sins. That is the identity. That is why when we celebrate that king coming, it wasn't just some dude, right? What did they say? It's interesting in Matthew. What's happening? All Jerusalem was stirred up, right? Because the disciples had come ahead, and here he comes, and, and people are seeing all these people waving the palm. What is happening? What did they say? They said, the prophet is here. They didn't fully understand who he was. The prophet has come. Many thought he was the Messiah, but they didn't understand he was God in flesh. They didn't understand he was going to go to the cross to deal with sin first, 
before setting up his kingdom. Now, Jesus is coming back. When he comes back, the kingdom's going to be physical. Now the kingdom is real. It's very spiritual. We, we should celebrate with these, right? Part of the celebration is the king has come and is victorious. You read the lament, right? The psalmist, oh, what was me? There is victory. I mean, in your life, what are all the things crowding in on you, right? Your view of self, money problems, relationship. We can go down the list. Well, guess what? There is victory in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Not perfection in this life right? Not sinless perfection for us, but victory. We can be redeemed and find life in him only because of Jesus. And so this is our celebration. We raise these up and say, thank you. There is victory in my life, but it's because of Jesus, not me at all. So Palm Sunday begins Holy Week. And I hope this week, and as we go, take some of these with you, right? This begins a week of thinking about Christ. Now, honestly, every day we should be thinking about Christ. Every week should be holy, but this is a special week. And Friday, we celebrate Jesus' death. And I want to invite you to come here and celebrate Jesus' death with Stations of the Cross. Uh, we've done it for, for quite a few years. This year's even going to be a little different. Um, honestly, it's one of those things when, when Paul moved here, um, and introduced it, I went, oh, great, this is one of those traditional blah, blah, blah things. Um, and then we did it, and it's significant. Uh, you know, I walk through, it, and it's awesome. Um, often, I love it because I stand outside, and I get to see the tears as people come out. Because you walk through this, and you really get a feel for what Jesus went through. It is so worshipful. So we actually put on a video together of what Stations of the Cross looks like. Let's check this out real quick. Easter is coming, a day that followers of Jesus all over the world celebrate the empty tomb. As incredible as Easter Sunday is, it wouldn't be possible without the events of Good Friday. Stations of the Cross walks you through the final week in the life of Jesus, preparing you to better understand and truly celebrate the miracle of the resurrection. You will be guided through the experience at your own pace as it draws attention to the ultimate fulfillment of Jesus' redemptive mission. Come join us on Good Friday and prepare your heart and mind for the hope and victory of Easter. have a good week. This week, spend more time in prayer maybe than normal. Spend some time in God's word confessing sin. Friday, come to, come to this. Come to stations. Invite somebody. I'm telling you that. People that don't want to do it, once they do it, they want to do it again. I, I'm not kidding. And if they come to that, then maybe even Easter would be a great day. I, I think I should have announced at the beginning, Easter is two services, 9 and 1030. Nailed it, right? Two, two ser services. Come, bring somebody. Next week, we're going to celebrate Jesus' resurrection that gives us life. Now, we're going to continue to sing. We're going to continue to worship. You can wave those palms. You, you can do whatever you want to worship. And then we are going to move into another time of public confession. And again, it's going to be kind of weird. And that's okay because it's okay to worship. Let's pray. Lord Jesus. We're going to continue to sing because you're worthy. We love you. God, I, I thank you for a lot of the traditions that you gave to the early church to remember you. The idea of these palm branches to remember you, Jesus, as our king. Blessed are you who came in the name of the Lord. Hosanna. 
in the highest. You are our king now and forever. We love you. Please stir our hearts right now. God, maybe we read that psalm and some, some of us here said, I, I feel that. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus, you can relate to us. You felt the same thing when you were on the cross and you took on the sins of the world. You can relate to us. So God, I ask now, Holy Spirit, be here with us. God, if some of us in here are feeling that, Holy Spirit, fill them with your presence. God, I, I pray that this would be a time of joy and thanksgiving because we love you and you are worth it. Thank mm -hmm. you.